Welcome to the Osteo Connection, the number one podcast for osteopaths looking to expand their minds and improve their practice. I'm Kevin Longpray. I'm Jason Turnbull. And I'm Dr. Sean Landry. And if you're new here, welcome. This show is dedicated to bridging the gap between your formal education and real-world practice success. Join us every week where we share our combined 50 years of practice experience, talk tips, strategies, and interview rock stars in the business. All right, welcome back to the Osteo Connection. Um, I'm here with my two esteemed colleagues, Dr. Jason. Dr. Oh, Jason. Dr. Oh, Jason. Wow. Gosh, I don't Jeez. think so, but and thank Kevin you. Longfrey. And <laughs> today, I don't get the doctor today. <laughs> Great. And today is a very, very special, uh, very special day because we have on for the first time ever from across multiple ponds, depending on which which way you go around the globe, <laughs> we have Dr. Wael Mahmoud from Australia. Um, Dr. Well Mahmoud, if I'm pronouncing that right, is a, he's an osteopath and an acupuncturist. He graduated from the British School of Osteopathy in 1985, which is 36 years ago. Wayne has worked as a university lecturer, an associate, locum, employee, contractor, business owner in Australia and the UK. He's owned and operated several health clinics and sold his last business in 2014. And following the sale of that clinic in Bayside, Melbourne, he started CPD, Health Courses, which is the largest provider of dry needling education in Australia. And he loves helping manual therapists achieve their goal of learning how to safely apply dry needling, build their confidence over time, and increase their effectiveness. Recently, he's become the author of a new book, which is actually how, we've, how we met Wayne, um, called Two Hands, The Game Changer's Guide for Manual Therapists. So Wayne, welcome to the podcast. We've been meaning to do this for a while. It's uh, just with the you know, it got scheduled to 2022, but thank you for being on the, on the, on the podcast. And uh, so, yeah, give us a bit about, a bit about your, uh, why'd you write a book? Give us the idea behind this, uh, this book. I think that's the, a, a really good, you know, place to start. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I've been a big fan of your show when I came across your uh, podcast and looked at the titles of your uh, podcast and I thought wow these guys uh, not only are they osteopaths like me and I feel a kinship with them already but they could have written my book because we're really aligned with how we think and I feel that we I share that feeling how lucky we are to be able to help people uh, using just our two hands which is exactly why I wrote the book because uh, I, I guess for, for us as osteopaths, when I trained uh, back in 81, when I started in 81 uh, in London, and I, uh, I really didn't know, to be honest, I didn't really know what an osteopath was, to be honest. I, I went to my interview and I remember this vividly and I was 18, so I had no idea what, what I was doing really. Yeah, this sounds like a great idea. So it's not all, you know, I've always wanted to be an osteopath since I was three. Uh, so... Uh, I went there and I remember the uh, principal of the school asked me, why do you want to be an osteopath? And I searched around and I really came up with no good answers to the point where she said, what about helping people? I said, yeah, 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 that's, that's it. That's it. That's why I want to do it. <laughs> and, um, you know, things, sometimes it's not always your favorite thing or you wanted to do it or, you know, you had a back injury and somebody helped you uh, and you want now to be an osteopath. No, for me, it wasn't like that. It, for me, it grew on me. And I guess I'm living this every day. And as I say in my book, 
when I walk into my clinic room, you know, I was just preparing my room just before we got on the call. And I'm in my room right now where I treat patients back in my home now. And I felt it again. Every day I come in here, I go, wow, this is going to be great. I, I, all I need is this table, my two hands, and that's it. How good is that? I mean, it doesn't get any better like than that. I mean, so many people have jobs and not a vocation. I love what I do. And I want to share that in my book and help people uh, understand how lucky uh, it is for us, whoever you are, whatever therapist you are, that we're able to help people. Because I think there's nothing better than that reward for us. I, uh, I, I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of the, I think a lot of us, the passion to help people is, is a lot of what drives us into doing uh, what we do, you know, and um, I think people coming out of school, what, what same for us, the, some of the stuff that brought us to try and do, to do the podcast and start to do some of these courses we're working on, uh, were exactly that is taking that person. And this is what I got by reading your book is I, you could sense the passion that you have for what you do but you also provided uh, um, a pathway to better transmit that to the patient, not only for their benefit of getting better, but for, for, for growing a business that made sense uh, organically where um, people are in alignment and also doing the best they can for their patient. So that was uh, hats off to that because that, that's really what I got from your, your book. And I really wanted you maybe to, to tell us a little bit more about how did you uh, develop that sense of how communication with the, the patient is so optimal to the healing process. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I, I must preface this with uh, telling you that I just heard, I just uh, listened to your podcast about uh, it's all your fault. And, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that one. Look, I was, I thought that I was the most sarcastic person in the universe. <laughs> But in fact, I think I've been eclipsed by you three. And I wasn't sure. You know, sometimes I say to people, a lot of people don't understand whether I'm being serious or not because I'm so sarcastic. But you guys take the cake because at times during that podcast, I wasn't sure either whether you really were blaming the patient or you blaming yourself. But, so that's a good sort of start. So I'm gonna, you know, congratulate you on uh, on that first of all. But I'm glad you secondly, that. yeah. Um, look, um, for me, communication with your patient is it starts first of all with understanding that every patient that you see is uh, a piece of gold for you. It, it is something. It's an investment in your whole career. You cannot. Uh, treat that patient as your 8.30, your two o'clock. No. One of the things I always like to remind new grads is this, you're only as good as your last treatment. And that means that whatever your history is, however long you've been doing this, doesn't matter. That patient expects your stellar performance in that time period that you have with them. And you have the opportunity, the, the privilege to be on stage, to perform, and to give them what they want. And by, by doing that, you are then fulfilling your goals for that patient. You, you, you've got to understand what it is that they are after. As I say, 
They're not here because they've got back pain. They're not here because they've got neck pain. No, that is a misconception that is uh, common amongst all therapists and anyone, everyone has to understand that we are in business. This is a business we're in. And the business starts with understanding what the problem is for your patient and then understanding that you have a solution. How do you then convey that to that patient clearly? So there are three questions that I always like to answer whether or not you're a new patient or a repeat patient. And those three questions are that I will tell every patient, okay, this is what you wanna know. I actually tell them, this is what you're here for because they may not know what it is that they're actually here for. They think it's, oh, it's my back. No, you wanna get back to golf. You wanna get to be able to pick up the kids. You wanna be able to sit in your chair at work without feeling you can't for longer than 10 minutes. So that's your problem. How are we going to solve this? So first thing, what's the problem that you've got? So that's number one. We explain that in easy to understand language. Second, what am I going to do to fix that problem? And how long is it going to take? Those three things, if you can just do simple things, those three questions answered at the end of every visit, that's going to take you a long way. And that's all about communication. Really keep taking them on the journey with you because we're a team. We're working together on this. You're going to do what I ask you to do. I'm going to do my part of the, the deal when you get this, get through this together. And going back to your original, the, the original point I made about you uh, and the, uh, the podcast about exercises, uh, although that was very funny, um, I also took that on in a serious part of that is that it is actually your fault. Like, hang on. So why isn't that patient doing the exercises? You know, why, why is that? Okay, it's my fault. Like, you know, the buck stops with you. They came to see you. Now, why aren't they doing the thing that you are asking them to do? And, and so that is a good time to sit down and go, okay, so tell me, are you unable to do the exercise because of time? Do you find them painful to do someone else's told you about some better exercises. Um, you just don't think exercises will help you. So by being more curious, which again is a really important part of uh, communication, we can then better understand the patient's reasons for not doing something you're asking them to do, and then come up with a better solution that may then work. Always have other things. So that's really important for me, that communication in all sorts of ways during that patient interaction. Amazing. So I'd love to piggyback on that. So one of the things what I took from your book as well, and what we, we launched the podcast trying to help, we said new grads and, and maybe struggling practitioners, but it can really be anybody. But one of the things that really grabbed me in your book, and actually what we used to always complain from our schooling. So where we did our training in Canada, we had a five-year part-time program at the conclusion of which we had a two-year window to do a thesis. So we had to, you know, think of a topic, find a group, uh, administer your treatments, analyze the results, and defend your thesis in front of an international jury to get accredited as an osteopath, which all sounds great. And there's always a place for research, obviously, in every profession. Wasn't that great? No. <laughs> but the problem we always found, and what we found with our new grads, is that we would have been a lot better served, we feel, if we would have had an apprentice, if we would have had an internship or an apprenticeship where we could have learned, yes, we all have student clinics, 
but that's really tough to do when you have five or six students per one individual, like practicing osteopath for clients that aren't really, sometimes their treatments are free or sometimes they're whatever. It's, it's just almost lacked authenticity. It wasn't real. It wasn't putting you on the spot. And one of the things that you said in your book, and it really jived with me is we are like plumbers and electricians and whatever. That's what we do. And we really feel, I really, it really struck with me. I think that'd be a much better solution instead of having a new grad come out and just, okay, well, good luck. You know, let's see what you can do, but there's no path. There's no business acumen. They don't teach you anything like that. And I, that really touched me that you're part of your book. So maybe you can share with our listeners about what you created. You just said you developed your, your program, your apprenticeship. So maybe Mm -hmm. share with our, with our, with our listeners, what you did in your own practice and how that relates to your book. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is exactly why we, we were uh, aligned, uh, you guys uh, and myself, because I completely agree with what you're saying. And what I created was a mentorship program because I saw exactly the problem. So there it is. Again, there's a problem. What's the solution? Okay, so I found that people were coming to my clinic as new grads. I'd wait for them. We were busy and I had to get some new, some help. So I got them in and then it just seemed strange, like, hang on. So these people have just done a degree, but they have no real practice at seeing real patients who are paying them real money, expecting results from day one. And I'm putting them in a room and expecting results. How does that work? Not very and well. You've got to, it doesn't work, right? So, you know, it may work for some people who are uh, who were really busy during their uh, undergraduate situation, but they're going to make mistakes and they're going to make mistakes on the job in your clinic, in your business. That's going to have ramifications. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to wait for the university to work this out. I'm going to do this myself. So I worked out an internship. So I said, okay, I'm going to create an internship where I invite uh, prospective candidates who want to work at this clinic after they finish their university degree. And I uh, put the ad out there and I uh, attracted some fantastic uh, uh, applicants, two of which uh, I mentioned in the book. And so what I did was I looked at my list and the whole premise of this, and I like to start at the end, as you probably have read in my book, I like to start in what does this look like at the end? For me, I want to move away from treating patients and I want to mentor my staff. I want to be able to work on my business instead of in my business, you know, the the common adage. So how do I do that? Well, I've got to pass on my regulars to these new guys. How do I do that? Well, I've got to give them the tools to be able to do that. So what we did was I had two to begin with, two interns, fantastic people. I was working on a half hour list. So let's imagine that we're going to start at nine o'clock in the morning and we have a nine till one list and there's a patient every half an hour. And those uh, patients would be booked in by my staff, knowing that they would be seen by my associates. So that's important, the communication that needs to be done. And so, and that, and a lot of people go, whoa, hang on. No, I, I, I don't know if my patients like that. Hey, you are the biggest obstacle to that. Nobody cares who they see as long as it's you that, If you've decided that this person can help you, this other person, this intern, and you've communicated that well, they'll see whoever you say is good enough to treat them. Wayne wouldn't give me someone who is going to hurt me or not get me better. So we're all good there. So not a single complaint on one over a six-month period. So 
We start at nine o'clock. I go in with patient A. And at nine o'clock, I start treating that patient myself while the intern's watching. I start to, at about 10 minutes in, I'm introducing that intern. Hey, this is um, Ed. Uh, you know, he's the intern I told you about. It's fantastic. He's really good at neck problems. And Ed, come on, have a feel of this side. Okay, now feel that C3. Yeah, it's not moving too well. We're going to have to work on this a little bit. And uh, I think we should work on the thoracic spine as well. A little bit more extension, maybe some HVLA to that area. I'll run through the plan. Okay, I'm going to leave you here with Ed. Johnny, is that okay with you? Okay, and I'm going to be back to check that everything's okay. So out I go at 9.15. I go and take the next patient in with intern number two at 9.15. I repeat the same process with them. And just before half... 9.30, I come out and check on patient A and go, hey, is everything okay? All good. And then as things got more and more uh, comfortable, everyone knew what they were doing. I wouldn't necessarily go back in and check up on that patient because I know that Ed's giving me a great report about, yeah, we did this, 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 and was all good. So that's how I created that. And then those patients were then booked in with the intern after the third visit, if, every, if they were happy to. So then I then found my list reduced. I was able to take the new people on and then pass them over to the intern. And what happened then when they qualified six months later, these guys had a ready to go. They hit the ground running because they had a full list. But not only did they have a full list, that's a major problem if you are not prepared. But these guys knew the system, how we do things at the clinic. Now, I don't want to seem like I micromanage these people. That's important. We've got to give them uh, that uh, ability to be express, to be able to express themselves as an osteopath. And I think as an osteopath, we, you know, ask 10 osteopaths, how do they treat the same condition? They'll give you 10 or 20 different answers probably, right? But I love that. I, I love that about our profession. I don't think it's a weakness. It may be in other professions because their model is different to ours. But I love the way that we have so many tools to treat the same thing. And I think that for an intern, that's important that you don't stifle them and you tell them this is the only way, but you need to give them a framework, a start, a scaffolding on which to work on. Hey, this guy says this is the way it works. And obviously it does for this patient, but you know, I might try this or this isn't working for me. I might try this technique. You know, that's the beauty of it. So that's how I did that internship program. It's awesome. Um, it kind of just parallels something we, we just before we got on with you, we recorded another podcast and uh, we talked about to script or not to script. So this is actually really cool. And your internship, um, were you working on, like you say, like you say, you love to have allow for the, the, the practitioner to, to be able to, you know, do do their own therapy and their own thought processes but do you did you help with them in in, in scripting with the initial evals report of findings all these things had you uh, yeah did you coach them through that process yeah. yes absolutely and I, I i'm a big fan of scripts especially at the beginning and i, and I find that uh you know i'm using scripts now but i don't read them i know what they are right so i wrote them and um the scripts that i have at the beginning are not they, they start not with the, the, uh, the, the interns, they start at the reception. You need to have reception scripts. So, because they are the most important people in your clinic, the, the gatekeepers. So they need to know 
what are the services that you provide? I mean, I'm astonished sometimes, like probably not now because it's so common, as to how many receptionists don't know what osteopathy actually is <laughs> or, or what dry needling is or what's the difference between an osteopath and a physio? What is it? What do you want them to tell? I mean, a lot of people just employ a receptionist and then expect them to know this stuff and then pick up the phone and, whoa, that phone is like, that's a share portfolio right there. If you don't get that right, that's a missed opportunity that you could have had for the next 10, 15 years. So you've got to get that right at the gatekeeper. Then there's the scripts for the new intern. So there's a script for how to, uh, how to tell them about the, uh, the three questions. What is the script for that? And then every patient has a, a recommended management plan. So that is a welcome pack. So every new patient, that is, comes in and we tell them those, those three things and we, we tell them that and then we give them a recommended management plan, which is a written plan about those three things. So they're written down now. So now, so a nice A4 folder or whatever you like to have. Back in those days, this is before you were born, of course, because you guys are much younger than I, but um, we used to write it out by hand uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, and um, a quill. Uh, back then but right. anyway <laughs> right, right. So, but uh you know it was written Carrier out and yeah. that's it exactly now uh, th then we give you the the plan which says you know what's wrong with me what are we going to do about it and how long is it going to take and it's written out in a tabulated form and what your exercises are going to be so it's all on paper so imagine that you know your patient then goes home and what's going to happen as they say in australia the missus is going to say how'd you go at the osteopath right and oh right yeah well i don't know well yeah. okay no no i don't <laughs> yeah. know here it is <laughs> yeah. thank you very much there it is oh wow oh really do they the treat factor. these things oh right the well, they treat tennis. that's right they do treat tennis elbow oh julie's got i better get on to these people because that is an opportunity for you i mean there's so many opportunities right we can have a podcast just about that because there's so many opportunities that are missed. Here's a welcome pack that has your logo at the front, your phone number or email address and socials now. And then it's got uh, all the other services that you provide and your team. Wow, that is fantastic. Here's the walking billboard that you've got instead of the contrast to that. I don't know. Yeah. You said I had a bad back. Right, well, we're not any further than that. So that's a missed opportunity. So for me, the, the, the recommended management plan is so important. And, and that's something that, you know, uh, I don't know how much longer you want me to go on about this, but just stop me uh, if you do <laughs> want me to shut up about this. But this is, this is where I uh, give you my suggested way to do that now in 2022, where that's all digital. So one of the things I do now is I send you, so you're a new patient. This is what I get my, my daughter to do, the, the osteopath. So she's my intern, my uh, fifth year uh, osteo. She's in her final year and I'm, she's my intern now at home. So what I get her to do with any new patient is send them a Bonjuro. Well, Bonjuro is a company that I came across when I uh, was starting up my dry needling business. So what I did with that, I have a membership site. So you come to my dry needling courses, 
you do all these techniques and then you just can't remember exactly which direction you should needle biceps and what the caution points are and so on. So then you've got an opportunity to see that again on my membership site because it's all on video. Yeah. And I've recorded all the techniques. They're all on video in a studio. So they're all high quality stuff and, and, and so on. So when you get when I get a new member, I send you a bonjour. What that is, is that I uh, say, hey, Kevin, um, thanks for joining the CPD Health Courses membership site. It's great to have you on board. Just a couple of things to help you get started and so on. Right now, that can be converted into a bonjour for your new patient. Hey, Sean, it's great to, uh, uh, to, um, to, to see that you've booked in on Thursday at 2.15. I'm really looking forward to helping with your back pain because they've already filled in a patient form online that tells you what the problem is. I want you to know that I'm going to try my best to help you out. And if there's any questions in the meantime, before I see you, please reach out and, and uh, let me know. So that's a great opportunity. Wow. They're going to go, unbelievable. How good is this? Nobody's ever done this before. So you're already, they've seen your face. Oh, you're the guy, and they're going to share that. Oh, you seen this guy? Look, this, this, and um, you know, I, I I talk about that bonjouro as being the uh, the part of the welcome, the, the onboarding process, and, and that is, you know, I've learned a lot of this stuff from the the business side of running my uh, osteopathy clinic, but also my dry needling education business because I've had a lot of mentors before in the business world that that uh, exists out there is doing this stuff already they, they've been doing it for years like we, we often think like you said before that we are oh, we wouldn't do that that's that's uh, we, we, we're above that hey we're, we're osteopaths we're, we're a doctor and you know we're uh, uh, we don't do that so that's that's a sort of businessy salesy stuff hey hang on a minute we're in business and as you said before the internship thing I wish we had an internship like my my son. He's an apprentice carpenter. He's been with a builder now for four years. How good is that? He's learning from the master. And uh, if we had the same things, we'd be doing we'd be doing a lot better because we'd be passing on our skills. And and, and from a, a sales perspective, we they've been doing all that. So I've learned a lot from other businesses from other uh, industries, completely different to our own because it helps you. It's like, you know, I'm sure this happened. You know, uh, you said before that when you did your thesis, you show the thesis to somebody who's completely unrelated to osteopathy and they go, I don't understand that. What's, what's got no, I don't get that. That doesn't speak to me. And you go, you get a bit defensive at first. I put my hand up to that one, but they're like, what would they know? But they do. If, they, if you can't actually explain this to somebody who is a lay person it's your problem you got to fix it so that's that's communication i love that we we're we were talking about that today and like we were saying we were recording just before we got on with you and um, and we talked about a lot of that the wow factor of not only something that you mentioned over and over again was uh making sure the patient doesn't leave without an understanding of number one what's wrong with them how did it happen? What can we do to help? And what kind of plan are we going to put together to make that happen? Absolutely. Um, I think a, a lot of the things that I really liked when you were talking about, like moving into like, you know, as young as we are, we aren't <laughs> that tech savvy. Uh, no. <laughs> but no. uh, I really liked um, 
when I was reading and you were talking about how oh doing a little stick man on a on a piece of paper yeah. and handing it to someone doesn't have that wow factor like doing a video. Yeah. And I and what's funny is that then it made me think, oh yeah, it's like I did a I did I often do video for certain things that you know, like uh, doing something to release the jaw or something like that. The three main muscles to maybe work on in a particular case. And so it's happened so many times where like, oh yeah, I already have that video. I'll send it to you right now. And it just makes it so much easier. Number one, they'll probably look at it way more than getting yeah, a piece of paper, paper that they're probably going to lose in their car. And no one cares about that. So there is a, a huge bonus to doing something more personal. I love the the fact that you're saying like you're you're actually saying their name. You're so obviously in this one I didn't because they sent it to tons of people, but uh, but yeah, uh, I love that. That was great, uh, great feedback. Well, that's 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 a good point. You know what you said there, and I, I take it one step further than that. I go like I did this the other day with a guy, regular patient, and an older gentleman, and he was, and I got him to do some exercises in the room, and I could see he was struggling with them, right. You know, older people, you know, the balance issues or whatever, and, and they're not as uh, not as um, flexible as a younger person, and so on. So I said, okay, so um, uh, John, what I'm going to do is what we did last time: get your phone out, and I'm going to do the exercises, Perfect. and you're going to take a video of me doing it. Now, well, he's got the exercises on his phone, perfectly done, sort of, because I'm not that young <laughs> and good enough, right? And yeah. I didn't have my leotard on, I must say. <laughs> that would have been good. Band. You did him a favor. Yeah. Yeah. I had my, got my water bottle out and, uh, you know, my towel just to make it yeah. authentic. And we'll then do, I said, okay. We'll do the hey, leotard next podcast. Yeah, next yeah great idea. Uh, that yeah. may turn your viewers off, uh, but let, let's go. Let's not get that. And now he's got you in his pocket awesome. forever. Yeah. And then he's got you. Hey, look at this. He's this, he can show this to whoever is at home. Oh yeah. So this, he gave you this exit, right? How good is that? So because now it's like uh, when you um, give someone a card back in the days when you had a business card, right? Mm -hmm. You put the card in their wallet, you know, they put their card in the, your card in their wallet. That's used to be that now it's on the phone because everything's on your phone. So that's a great way to leave your uh, brand with them yeah. and it's personalized it really means and, and you, you guys are right onto it of course but that thing of wow factor every treatment that you do you need to have a wow factor about it what is it that extra thing that little thing it might be as simple as you're treating a regular patient you do the same thing generally right most times because that works because you see them every month or every three months or whatever it is but on every one of those maintenance visits you add a little bit extra hey you know i've noticed that when you got out of that chair you really bent over as you got out of the chair i'm just i want to see have a look at that si joint I just want to have a look at that mid thoracic area. Make sure we've got enough extension there. We, we, that's the language. We've yep. got enough extension there to allow you to get out of the chair a little more smoothly. They don't even notice that, but you've got eyes, you've got the pattern, you've populated your database with experience. You know, when somebody gets out of that chair and you know, that doesn't look right. Or, or that appears a little different, you know, cause you, you guys, you've been in this game for a while you will know, you'll pick up when somebody's not moving the same as they did last time. Mm -hmm. 
and, and because you've seen them, even though you might be seeing regular people all the time, 50, 60 patients a week, maybe. But you know, when that patient comes back, oh, hang on, there's something odd about that. And they go, oh, wow, thanks for that. There's no different to, you know, you're getting your car serviced and they go, you were just in for your tires check, but hey, we've noticed there's a little problem with this and oh, thanks for doing that. That's the parallel, yeah, that wow true. factor, very attention, important. Attention to detail too. It shows you're, you're conscious, you're empathetic, you're there, you're present. Like you say, the first patient, the last patient, you gotta be there, right? Yeah. You've gotta, you know, you're only as good as your last patient, but um, I think it's awesome. What I took away from your book was, again, it comes back to this communication, but um, communication in all aspects, right? Whether it's uh, the way you communicate with your body, your tone, your right through your different evaluation process, right? You, I, I, you know, you did an amazing job at just outlining all that, and then and then you say the words, the we, you know, the words that you use with the patient, and how you create that that engagement and that uh, that education process, but also you know your skills as as a as a detective, as a therapist, and how you control the conversation and stuff. Um, yeah, maybe elaborate a little bit on that. You know, that I, I found you did mm. a really good job at, uh, at, at yeah. through, through all aspects of your, you know, your, your patient visit. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, your feedback's fantastic. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, the, the, I, I call it um, your treatment room choreography yeah. because what we're talking about here is how you speak, where you stand, who stands where in relation to the patient, uh, what you say, the tone of your voice, the speed at which you speak, when that needs to speed up, when it needs to slow down, and the emphasis on certain words, the eye contact, they are crucial, crucial to your treatment. And I think it's something that you can uh, teach young graduates only by an apprenticeship scheme, like an internship. You can't teach people that at the university or in, uh, in a book or uh, in a, uh, a slideshow. It needs to be done by example. So let's just look at that as an example, okay? So my daughter, this is a great example, which as I say, she's the intern. So she treats patients, okay, and um, and I'm watching. And sometimes I, and, and, and often new grads uh, or, or soon to be new grads will speak too much because they feel, feel that, that, that uh, silence, they want to feel the silence. Yeah, so they, 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 they hear that silence. They go, oh, oh, so how was your holiday? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so you went up to Noosa. Yeah, great. And um, right, and they keep going. And then the person asks and they just keep on going. And I'm thinking, whoa, you're going to be exhausted at this rate. Yeah, you got eight patients in a row on a half hour list or whatever it is you do. You're going to be exhausted. You need to slow down. So what I, I like to do is it's like a, a fire. You've got a match. You just got to light it and watch it glow. That's it. That's, that's the conversation. You, you, you pose the question and you let them run with it. And if you want it to come up a little more, then you add another match and so on. But you're controlling the conversation because the one thing, as I said before, you just got to start at the end. What is it you want to achieve at the end of that treatment? What's your goal? What's your goal as a therapist? And the goal needs to align with that patient's expectations. So 
If the goal is for that person to have more lumbar flexion, they're able to bend forward without pain. Let's say that was the, the, the goal. That isn't going to happen if you're going on about their last holiday and how many problems they're having with the wife or the husband or whatever it might be, right? You've got to remember the goal. So you've got to go, hang on, let's go back a bit here, throw them the question, then you come back to, now, I really want to concentrate on this bit now. Now, tell me, is this feeling sore in here? Now, when I do this and you concentrate on the job, you've got to bring it back to the job. What is it I have to do? What's the feedback? So they know you're really concentrating now. So when they're going on about whatever it is that you've just asked them about, with nothing to do with the, the, the treatment, you've got to bring them back to sometimes you are the, the, the conductor to what's really important that day. Now, hang on. Let's just have a look at this now. Sometimes they could be, if it's really important, they could be in the middle of their, their uh, discussion with you. They'd be going, okay, yeah, we're thinking of going, but then there's the lockdown at the moment. Just hang on a minute. Let me have a look at it. Just hang on. Tell me. Now, I'm right down here. Now, tell me, does that, is that where you feel it? So you, then they go, oh, well, better shut up about the uh, lockdown situation or I uh, can't get a booster or whatever. This is really important here. Yeah. So that's the conductor. You are the choreographer. Never forget, because if they walk out, having had a great conversation with you about their last holiday, but they can't bend forward more than they did when they walked in, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. They're, not, they're not paying for chatting. They're paying, for, never forget that. They're paying you to get better so they can do whatever it is they love doing. you got to remember that. So if you need that time, that concentration to get back to this, and you will as a new grad, you need to be on the ball. You won't be able to keep up with the conversation about other stuff and do your job. Later on, you could probably get away with that most of the time. But at the beginning, you need to have both eyes, both uh, ears and your brain hooked on to the problem so you've got to let them talk but bring it back when you need it right when you need it you are the master of that conversation always knowing that's their goal you're not going to get there by talking about holidays i really i really love how you describe that because we were just talking before in the previous podcast about uh controlling the energy of and focus of where the patient is uh, putting all their energy so um the way you discuss it about being a conductor is, uh, is amazing because it, it really is in the healing process important that the person is kind of focused on, well, number one, what's going on here? Uh, me talking about X, Y, Z that has completely nothing to do with the process I'm here for is not going to help me in that healing process. So how do you kind of manage that in order to get them in that zone where they're going to be focused on what the task is that we're doing? And the we part I really like because it is a team thing we need to have that patient participate or else we'll tell them it's all their fault right? exactly and so yeah. right so you don't want to be shaming people every day so no. you just want to make sure that they're in the game and i love the way you described that that was really great because um i really do think osteopathy and you could is for us is an art uh we yeah we you know the the fact that we have this opportunity to treat people uh is is amazing and to get um, into really treating the true person sometimes, you know, requires several steps, several sessions and, and, and all that, but it's not talking about holidays that that's going to happen. Uh, not no. to say that, no, it's not to say you can't eventually have that, those conversations, but 
I understand what you mean. That's a great, great point for people coming out of school and starting is really to be focused on the task at hand and put all your energy towards that. Uh, the likelihood of that succeeding is so much greater. Yeah. Well, with experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. with experience, you learn that, right? So I, I think what you're trying to accomplish with your book and we're trying to do the same with the podcast is we've all made mistakes before and we'll continue to make some, but if we can fast track that new grad or that struggling practitioner to get them there faster, that's what we're really trying to accomplish, right? Because there is a mm. balance there. You do want to have like, you know, how, what do you do in the weekend? How was your weekend? Did you see whatever sporting event or whatever, a similar interest? There is a time and a place for that, but you have to balance it out with, like you said, what are they paying you for? Delivering the goods. Delivering mm. the goods at the same time. Because if you don't have any small talk, well, sometimes people don't want to come because that's kind of boring, right? They, like, you mm. want to have, you want to be somewhat, um, Enter, not entertained. We don't even have some sort of nice conversation. What, make, what makes you stand out? You can have a great conversation with someone. You're up with, you know, you're, you, have, you have interests, you have passions you can share your expertise with, but yet you have the skills to do so. And I yeah. think that's, that's the key. And that's that fine line. And, and as we start to progress, as the years continue to go by, then mm-hmm. we start to realize that it's the, it's, the, it's the fine balance between the two. Which makes me yeah. want to ask you one other, one other quick thing I had for you. And, and you kind of mentioned it very quickly near the start is... I'd like to know what you could tell uh, our listeners about maybe some of your mentors yeah. and some of your teachers. I saw that part of your book and I really liked it. And maybe you could mm-hmm. speak to us about maybe uh, what that did in your own success, maybe just personally and professionally, the mentors and, and, and teachers that you had. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and I can't believe how aligned we are. It sounds like we're just like uh, read this before. We've rehearsed it. But no, that is a perfect segue to this because... When you were talking about, uh, I like to think of uh, osteopathy as an art. Absolutely. I love that about what we do. I don't think, I think that the, this evidence-based movement has a place for sure, right? But there's also a place for uh, expression, uh, empirical evidence and experience. That's, and why do I say that? Because every other profession and industry relies on that. There's no, there's no evidence base for plumbers or uh, builders or um, uh, people in the, in the uh, industries like accountants or uh, whatever. They rely on experience. That's how it's done. And we learn from our mistakes. That's how we do it. And they pass that down, right? Generation to generation to generation. Yeah. There's a place for that. And uniquely, as osteopaths, I believe there's never been a better time to be a hands-on practitioner. Why is that? Which probably isn't going to answer your question. You may have to ask, the, ask me your question again in a minute, but uh, no, I still remember it. But if I don't at the end, let me know. I'm going off on someone But why is that a, the best time? Why is it the best time? Because at the moment, the evidence-based movement is, and, and also the um uh pain management uh movement if you like that where we are the the pain is in the brain that sort of movement where we're able to look at people who are got chronic pain and help them but more from what we say and more by advice rather than hands-on certainly has a place don't get me wrong but that's not for me for me that's not what i do that's not what I was trained to do. I was trained to do hands-on work. But I believe the way that, certainly I don't, can't speak for Canada or other places, but certainly here in Australia, the way it's working is that 
osteopathy has an opportunity to just go straight ahead through the road that's now being cleared by physiotherapists are moving away from a hands-on model here. And I will talk, and I will, uh, uh, I know that because I've spoken to many physios who come to my dry needling courses, who are older physios, who are trying to get people to work for them, and they're older, and they're hands-on practitioners, they just can't get them. They, they, just, you, they, they are trained for hospital-type work, you know, for, for working in a hospital, not in private practice. That's the way they train, and that's fair enough. No problem with that. But that's an entirely different training process to dealing with a patient that I call in the sharp end in business where you are in that room, you're in the, in, the, in the cage, if you like, the UFC cage, it's you and them. You've got to come up with the result, right? That's a completely different situation where you're an employee within a hospital that's got hundreds of other people that can help you and so on. No, you're in there on your own. That's a different story. Then there is, uh, so they're going that way. And then chiropractors have got their own path and they've already had it. And to be honest, they're sort of cousins to osteopaths, literally, historically. And they've always known their route. They've always known their brand. They've never got stuck, uh, moved away from that. You, you can ask anybody, what's a chiropractor? They know what it is, and which is great because now it leaves us as being the hands-on people, the ones that deal with muscles. Hey, that's the road. They've gone that way. They've gone that way. We go straight ahead. That's us. We claim that ground. That is the beauty of being a hands-on practitioner right now. And it doesn't get any better. But going back to your original question of who were my mentors, I was very lucky, as I mentioned in my book. When I went to the BSO, the British School of Osteopathy, in 1981, I was very fortunate to have people who were teaching me the hands-on skills that are widely regarded as, want of a better word, they are legends within our uh, our world people like laurie hartman uh who is a technique master he he's known for um being able to manipulate any joint that you want to uh take uh any particular problem or any joint that, is, that needs a manipulation he knows how to do it but the key about him is this laurie hartman will get every joint he manipulates but he only manipulates the ones he knows he can get, right? Yeah. So that's the key. You see, you see the, 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 the new, the wet behind the ears uh, uh, practitioner, sort of first five years or so, you think, well, I'll just crack it, you know, just get it and just do this and manipulate it. And it's like, oh, wow, what a, the bigger the sound, the better. No. After a while, you get to know, actually, that's not a good idea. Yeah. If you can get L45 on the left, just that to move, that is a good technique. Mm -hmm. So I, try, I have an adage I, I say, which is you've got to treat like a ghost and don't give your patients a nightmare. What I'm saying here is that if you can go in and out, they don't even know you've been there. Well, and they're better. How good is that? You don't want them to go, well... Wayne, uh, I'm better now, but it's taken me, you know, five days to recover from the last time you treated me. <laughs> got a beating, because, you know, I've got, yeah. I've got tread marks over my back. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> um, we don't want that. And we all know that feeling. I've done that, you know, hands up to that one. Yeah, I've right. done that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, gone, whoa, actually, that's not a good idea. Lesson, 
put that in the in the box and so laurie hartman is my uh number one legend as far as hvla from the osteopathy uh perspective um and phil tian is another one he's an australian uh physiotherapist and then trained uh, as an osteopath and uh he went to the bso so he's australian and he went to the uh to, to london to train and do osteopathy there and jerry benish Kevin Sturgis, uh, Janine. So these people actually set up osteopathy here. So when I arrived in Australia, uh, I, I, I noted uh, from your last episode, I've done my research on you guys. Okay. Um, and uh, last uh, podcast, you mentioned you were talking to an Aussie guy. That's me. <laughs> and you weren't sure whether I was Australian or not, probably given my name. Well, I was born in Egypt and uh, I lived there for four years. And then my father and mother uh, took my daughter, my, uh, my daughter, my uh, sister and I to a place called Equatorial Guinea, where my father was working. And then we moved to the UK. So I grew up in the UK. Mm -hmm. And so I left there when I was 24. And then my wife, bless her, she uh, wanted to uh, go to Australia because she traveled there uh, when she was 18 and always wanted to go back. And we, so I said, okay, great idea. Like most uh, husbands to be uh, do. Ah. Say, okay. Um, so yeah, smart move. A happy wife. Yeah, that one. So um, she said, let's go to Australia. So we, I applied for a job right over here. And there was a job teaching at Philip Institute, which is now RMIT University in Melbourne. And whenever, when I told everyone we were coming to Melbourne, they said, oh, didn't get a job in Sydney. I said, nope, it's in Melbourne. So anyway, we go to Melbourne and this was a very special course because at that time, this is well before you guys were born, of course, but at that time, uh, there was no osteopathy course in the world that was government funded. They were all private colleges. So this was the first ever um, uh, government funded course in the world. So special. And I taught the uh, first year of osteopaths who were in their third year at the time ever in Australia. I was number 46, in fact, on the registration here. So in Australia, wow. so there were 46 wow. people just before me. And so those people who started that course, they're the real heroes, not me. They're, they're the people who set up the course to, to bring osteopathy to Australia from other places. And there were local osteos too. These people are legendary. Uh, Walter McCone is another uh, uh, great uh, friend of um, mine and someone who was in the senior years when I was studying. He's a really passionate guy if uh, you want to look him up. Uh, he's um, an osteopath in the UK. He started off treating American footballers in London and he was started the first sort of um, osteopathy for sports injuries together with Cynthia Tucker. She taught with me here uh, in uh, in, in Melbourne, but I was very lucky. I had a lot of people mentoring me. That's osteopathy, but another side other of it is the business yeah. side. Yeah, other aspects business, of life. Yeah. yeah, that's really important because the osteopathy is one thing from the technical skills, mm. but business side, you really need to have other mentors. And I'd say books were the first thing for me. My first book about this, when I sort of go, wow, the light went on, hang on. Well, this guy is, knows what I'm experiencing at work. I'm working like 60 hours a week. I'm uh, not getting to see my young family. I, um, don't, I can't keep up. I'm, I need to get hire more people. How do I do that? I need to advertise and hang on. They never taught me any of this stuff at school. 
what happened? Did I miss that class or something? Mm. No, but everyone's doing the same thing. So uh, for me, the e-myth, uh, Michael mm. Gerber, was the first book that I read, really. And I remember reading that over and over again while going to the gym because it was an audio book. I love audio books because you can do two things at once. And so he was the one who really started me on this journey. Then I took on a, an e-myth uh, consultant to help me with my business. And that got me going. And I, I remember listening to your last podcast. I'm not sure who it was, but it was talking about looking at the... Um, the more the financial side you wanted to, you were talking about what you wanted to do your goals for this year you guys and you were saying maybe you want to get more invested in the well marketing and more sort of like the numbers number crunching what are your kpis yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that that for me was a real light switch like what are the KPIs? what what are kpis well, in fact there are two kpis now um you know key persons of influence is one and uh, a key performance indicator. And a lot of people don't even know that. Like, what's that? So I got introduced to that. And then I uh, got onto membership site um, forums so that I can understand how they work. James Shramko is a guy that I uh, joined. Um, and I also got some mentors from that group to help me um, now uh, mentor my staff on a business sense. I am now starting a, a mentorship program for other um, therapists. So I'm about to start. Awesome. I'm very excited. Tomorrow I start mentoring a uh, pediatrician, actually, who wants to help uh, her patients um, uh, get help for behavioral issues. And so she wants to understand how to do this online. How, how do you get there? How do you, how do you uh, give back? to my patients, but in an online space. So I've been around the online space for probably about 15 years now. And it's a, a really fascinating area. And I, and I love it because it's so different to the hands-on work that I do, but it's vital to understand it because you can't be a dinosaur. You have to understand how to talk to your market, especially now, you know, with my daughter, she's uh, in final year. So you've got to get her ready. So, you know, we're talking about Instagram accounts. What's a reel, you know, what's a, what's a um, Instagram story. What's the difference? Uh, people love videos, very short space now of attention. They don't want words. They want, Oh yeah. Picture, you know, mm -hmm. finger swiping all the time. It's completely different to, you know, back in the day when you won't even know this maybe, but yellow pages what's that oh no remember <laughs> yeah. it's a tome so you know that's it used to be now it's a it's a weight that you use at the gym computer monitor yeah that's right so yeah. you know you've got to keep up with Evolve. how it works yeah. how do you speak it's amazing Wayne. i think honestly like you said this i think this is the first of many you know uh thank you for being on our show today um yeah we really appreciate your we time we appreciate this was a it, honestly it was amazing the book great amazing where can people find you uh what's the best way to get in touch with you how can our listeners uh, if they want to reach out if they're yeah. over there and uh, uh down under in, in australia how Good. can they get in touch or we got, on here? The line. we got two canadians in the quarterfinals of the aussie open i'm yeah. sure you're aware of that oh yeah in Melbourne. Well, yeah yes that's right well look by, um by default but <laughs> look, let's not get political yeah, 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 now. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to go down that road. No, but we have we become do. famous 
perhaps for the wrong reasons in Australia. <laughs> um, and I have my own views on that, which I won't share live on air. But um, suffice to our, say... Our next podcast. Yeah, that private. Which would also be our last podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, whenever you think of retiring, just contact me and right. um, get some, uh, some drinks going and we'll have some virtual uh, sort of chat. Uh, I feel like I could be uh, right there now with you guys. I've had such a great time and we'd oh, be talking... Great and we'd be having a great time because we have a lot in common and uh, I think that um, it's been fantastic for me to to reach out to a new audience back you know in, in Canada I'm grateful that you you know that this is down under because a lot a lot of people think that Australia is actually Austria um, and not nice. Australia so at least you got that right which is good um, <laughs> but when when uh, yeah so you guys uh um, want to know where people can reach out to me two hands gamechanger.com so two as in t-w-o hands gamechanger.com is my website for the book and um, you can reach out to me and if you go there you can get the first uh, three chapters uh, that uh, we uh, that, that I give you which one of them is a subject we haven't spoken about but maybe we can talk about it on another occasion is what's your why that's a really important part and, you know that I start at the end well that's the that's the end if you don't know why there's a problem and I can share with you then uh, you know in that chapter I, I share with you how I found my why what is that what is why and uh, why so important for you and your business in, in not just business really but everything so yeah, to contact me, twohandsgamechanger.com and uh, all the, the socials, uh, you know, on Insta and uh, we'll, Facebook. We, we really... will link, for all the listeners, we will link in our show notes, obviously, to all these, uh, all these things. Um, cool. Honestly, Wayne, it was awesome. Like I say, we, uh, we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, absolutely. One day, maybe we can get over there or you can come over here to, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe... We can have beers while we're doing it. Yep, exactly. I think yeah, that's kosher. That's kosher. I think so. <laughs> That's good. So, but, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, for all you listening, osteoconnection.com. You can hit us up, osteomentorship.com. We thank you, Dr. Wayne Mahmood. It was awesome getting to know you. We look forward to having you on again. Um, and we will see you soon. Peace. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you at another time, perhaps. Thank you very much. Cheers. Awesome. Take thank care. You. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode. We hope you learned something, or not. And if you haven't already, subscribe here to the Osteo Connection wherever you're listening. And hey, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And if you're still listening at this point, thanks, Mom. And if you're offended how much we've made fun of Jason, tune in next week and be sure to share with a friend. <laughs>